I watched Willy's oh. Wonderland this week. Oh! And, and had the time of your life, didn't you? And he owes it all to you. Yeah. Of course. Th- there's that. I do owe it to you. Nobody uh, paid the, song, the song has everything to do with this. And <laughs> I was thinking back to your description. And when I re- did the editing for the show last week, and you started talking about Willy's Wonderland, at no point... In the, in your description of the movie, did you talk about killer animatronics? Well, I didn't want to give it away. That what's to give away? It's it's, it's somebody it's, mentioned it's in the description. You don't somebody. you don't want to you don't want to. Well, then what? Then why do I need to talk about it? <laughs> somebody mentioned uh, Five Nights at Freddy's during that because I, I think it was yeah implied. because that I was, was trying, Todd. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to get Kirsten to talk about what the movie was about, uh, but instead he gave us a full play by play of the first ten minutes. Yeah. Which was entertaining. He was scarred by jujitsu. You know what? If you were going to put this against jujitsu, of course, Willie w- wins every time. Willie is not without its faults. It is at its heart. Meg agrees. He agrees. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 595. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. <laughs> 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 Maple Leaf Matt. We're here to talk week and geek. <laughs> it's Meg. We just live in it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And and yes, uh, we are joined by Meg in the background. So if you hear some uh, joyful exclamation, that's probably Matt's sweet puppy. Are you shooting the dog with a Nerf gun, Matt? What is a Nerf going on? Super Soaker? Oh, okay. <laughs> You're supposed to save that for when it does something actually wrong. Barking is this dog. Now it's become a play toy. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's hilarious. Yeah, so Willie's, it's awesome, isn't it, Todd? It is uh, a special. Oh. Yeah. All right, I got to mute myself. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And Cage is awesome in it. As, as him being very subdued for Cage, but still being very, very dark and menacing. Holy crap. His behavior leaves a lot of questions, I will yep. say, uh, that don't necessarily get answered in the movie. No. And if I have just one gripe about Willy's Wonderland. It's that I didn't say killer animatronics. It's that you didn't say killer animatronics. <laughs> no, no, that. And it was, and this has to lead to the whole B aspect of the movie, uh-huh. is that at very few points in this movie did the animatronics not seem like people in furry costumes. Mm. Yeah. Those they, killer furries. It, that's what it came off as. It, it didn't seem like animatronics. It was like, oh, it's dudes in costumes. There's a maybe a few shots where it didn't seem like that, but I wish that could have felt more animatronic. But other than that, yeah, it's it's Five Nights at Freddy's, the movie. Even though the people who make the movie say, oh, no, it has nothing to do with it. Yeah, okay, whatever. It, it absolutely is. Well, yeah, it was one night. I mean, come on. Right, good point. They, they change things up, so. <laughs> but, yes, definitely worthwhile. Yeah. But uh, I, I just when I listened back to your description, I was like, we got a great description of the first 15 minutes of this film, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that's right. 
No spoiler Sapansky. That's what they call me. <laughs> and, and rightfully so. Yeah. So, gentlemen, what geeky things did you do this week? And we'll start with you, Matt. <laughs> actually i'm rewatching babylon 5 so there is that all right oh, oh okay it's awesome you guys know how i feel you <laughs> I gotta make it. it through season one right season yes. one lays all of the like the the plot and everything for season two three and four so it's 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 a struggle to get through season get through one that but other than that of buffy? huh you gotta get through that first season of buffy pretty much yeah anyways that's what that's what i've been doing <laughs> right andy what'd you do this week all right I did stuff you guys didn't do. Uh, well, this and it might have done. I actually was watching. Um, I was watching the pitch meeting for Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales, and about <laughs> a minute into, I'm like, I don't remember that. Wait, have I seen this movie? So I watched Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales. It's, Why? Uh, it's a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Um, it, it's fine. It's like it's like everyone after the first one. If you turn off your brain, it's fine. The first movie is no. really, really good. And everything no. after that is entertaining, but that's about it. <laughs> it's not fine, Andy. It's not fine. Well, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a movie. It's, it's, a, it's a thrill ride with Donnie Depp. Oh, um, listen to Andrew Marty Scorsese Taylor over right? here. Exactly, yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I, it's, I, uh, I must have watched the opening scene with you, Kirsten. I must have like sat over your shoulder and watched the opening scene where the pirates rob a bank. And by rob a bank, I mean they accidentally rob a bank by tying a rope around a vault and dragging yeah. the bank through town. Yeah, that was cool. It's like, well, this, this movie's not going to make any more sense after this. Let's <laughs> just watch this bad, this bad cartoon. It was, it was fun, but I, you know, I did not invest anything in it after that. I'm like, okay, it's going to be dumb. Let's not get too serious. The, the Pirates franchise has become like reminiscent of the way that the Fast and Furious franchise has become. Exactly it's it's, like, it's literally nothing means anything. Nothing has consequences. You know, you fill in the blank. I mean, they actually had another really good pitch meeting on the Fast and the Furious. I think uh, it's not the most recent one, but I think it was the one before last. And they brought up a lot of that stuff. It's like, it's like, wait, how does that happen? That defies the laws of physics. Because I need the movie to happen. Fair right. enough. Right. I'm happy to say I've, I've inflicted pitch meeting on my brother and, and my uh, sister-in-law now and another friend of mine who somehow hasn't seen it. And my sister-in-law has taken up the taken up thing. Oh, wow, wow, wow. No. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Nice. It's very infectious. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, Andy, I think you've hit on something there. I, I want to see a pirate movie with Vin Diesel now. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> a, a, a pirates, a pirates in fast crossover. Right. Yeah. <laughs> fast fast pirates of the Furious yeah. Caribbean. <laughs> It'll happen. It's all one world now. <laughs> I yeah, also, his pirate uh, ship could be called the Furious. Oh, oh my it's God. perfect, guys. We've itself. got a movie here. Yeah. I also uh, started watching Solar Opposites. I'm like six or seven episodes in. Uh, I'm enjoying that. It's fun. It's it's got some weirdness to it. I'm actually enjoying the uh, side show, the side show, the, uh, the the B story or whatever. I mean, there is the aliens who are getting involved in weird shit, but the two kid aliens for a while were shrinking people and putting them in their terrarium in the wall. And so every now and then it will cut to a long sequence of stuff that happens among the shrunken humans in the terrarium world, which has become this whole sort of Mad Max society. And 
and uh, it, it's very weird. I like it. So I, I would definitely recommend it. I'm, I'm only like six or seven episodes in, but loving the hell out of it. I drove down to uh, New Bedford to drop off two pieces of art. I actually managed to do a couple of pieces of art that would probably take me two or three days normally. But uh, two or three months later, I managed to get it in time for the deadline. Uh, deadline. Uh, I had a third piece that's just sitting there partially done in my cellar. So, uh, But the two pieces I have, I'm very happy with. So they'll be How open dare to you. What? Create that art when you still have a gaming table to make for Major Man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and what if I could transport, strap it to my dad's uh, uh, Subaru and drive it across the country? <laughs> um, I don't have the tools here. Oh, I don't have the tools at home either. That's always been the problem. But yeah, the, the, uh, the opening is uh, July 3rd. I won't be at the opening, but I'll probably be at the secondary opening, which is the 8th, I think, in New Bedford. At Gallery X, which is a gallery in an old church that's run by a uh, former uh, alumni of the school I went to. Nice. Gallery Wait, X in New Bedford. Gallery X. Yeah, at one point there was, I don't know the full story, there was an XYZ thing because there was a theater, the Zyterian Theater is down there too. So at some point there was X, Y, and Z, and I'm not sure what the Y was. That all happened while I wasn't in town. And uh, the last thing I did was uh, I am sitting here with the, I'm going to wave it to you guys, which nobody will see, but I'm looking at the proof here of the adventures of the dragon's pearl uh i've been asked by the author my friend uh, greg adams to uh, give it one suit look over before it goes to print uh ah. he, he, he asked me to do this a couple of weeks ago and just through fluke it came friday and uh, greg had a party up near boston sunday so i went up there and i said you know, i haven't had a chance to read any of it the only th- cop, you know the only thing i can say so far is the uh the title's hard to read. He goes, oh, you can talk to graphic designers right behind you. I go, fuck. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know that small press or self-publishing or those presses that help somebody publish their stuff? Mm-hmm. The, that the, I think, do they have like five different fonts that they're allowed to use and they're <laughs> all some variation of unreadable I, gothic? Because I do not know. This is actually this is actually pretty good. Uh, it's it's some sort of uh, sans serif. It's, it's very it's some variation of Helvetica. The problem is that it's uh, dark maroon on black and white. Ooh. So so it's just not reading. But and, and they did they they did say they were going to fix that. But uh, Greg has written a couple short story collections before that I've done illustrations for. Um, and I'm this uh, one is called A Day in Hell or something like that. But they're, they're great they're great little short stories. One of them is the best zombie story I've ever read. It's just, it's it's the post uh, zombie zombie story that yeah I'd, I'd love to. I think I gave it to you, Todd, at some point. Maybe not, yes. but yeah. But you should definitely read that zombie story. It's it's wonderful. I'm just wondering why we've glossed over the fact that Andy finally actually had a "he's right behind me, isn't he?" moment, and not <laughs> one of his staged photos. <laughs> Wait, what? Who? Where? You said the graphic artist was right behind you. Oh, yes, he was. He really was. Yeah. Nice guy, too, and I, which I've, I've apparently met him before, but very nice guy. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we got along famously, even after I made fun of his art. And I didn't make fun of his art. I said it was hard to read, which it was. It was constructive criticism. He's like, I'm being made Change. fun of by a caricature artist. Right. Wow. I'm not a big fan of actually, the cover. Actually, it's kind of hard to I, read, and I don't know who would have done something like this. And he's right behind me, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he actually he actually inspires to do some character stuff. He showed me some sketches he'd done of uh, 
characters from uh, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier that were really good. You know, you know it's not uh, it's not uh, sitting in the chair good, but it's probably illustration for all weekly good. It's been a pretty good week, you know, except for the usual chaos of my life. But other than that, it's been a pretty good week. Good man, good. Jeff, what'd you do? So I didn't get a chance to do a whole lot this week, but um, I did get a chance to see uh, Luca, which is the uh, the newest Disney Pixar film uh, on Disney Plus, and ironically, not one of those premium access movies that you have to pay an additional thirty dollars on top of your subscription for. Uh, it was a fun little movie. I mean, it's it's a Pixar film. I mean, I I don't know if I was what I, else I was expecting, but. Uh, it definitely uh, tugs at your heartstrings in a few moments, as Pixar's want to do, and uh, it's an enjoyable little film. I mean, I would have preferred to see it on the big screen, but unfortunately, right now, it's not showing anywhere here in Vegas that I could see. Where but, would, where uh, would you put it in the Pixar pantheon between what movie and what movie as far as <sighs> favorites? With the number of films that they have done over the last few years, it's really hard for me to do the that kind of a ranking. Um, I mean, for me, it doesn't even have to be I, like between it's, it's better than this, but it's worse than this. It's definitely better than cars. Um, what is I it? think it's not <laughs> as onward. As... I think had a lot more punch to it as far as the emotional, okay. You know, the ups and downs, like the, the joy and the tears kind of thing that, that onward did, at least for me, but it's a very, very enjoyable film. So uh, it takes place in 1950s Italy, right? Yeah, ish. So, um, so the important question is, how do they squeeze the uh, Pizza Planet truck into it? You know, I didn't see it, but that's not to say that it wasn't there. You know, they're, 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 they've gotten very good at hiding those Easter eggs, unless you're doing a lot of freeze frames lately. You don't catch them, or at least I don't catch them quite as often. But yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out. The other thing I did was uh, some of some of the fans have probably already seen this. My buddy Darren uh, brought over his Eagle Moss Enterprise D model. Well, a, a few pieces of the kit. It's one of those kits that you put together. They send. It's a subscription service. They send you kits, and then you put the model together. It's a heavy metal model of the Enterprise D. Oh. Okay. And, so not uh, one of those plastic kits. No. When it's fully assembled, it'll be nearly three feet long. Um, the, the and it's made the, of metal. It is made of metal. Wow. Uh, I'm I'm impressed, like with how heavy the piece was, because I I picked it up, going, oh, I know this is metal, but oh my god, this is heavier than I thought. And he goes, yeah. Every time they come in the mail and I pick one up, I'm like, oh, this is not as uh, as lightweight as I thought it was going to be, but. Uh, so he and I uh, did kind of an impromptu live stream on uh, the uh, Facebook page. Uh, several people got to watch that. And uh, so just we're curious if anybody wants us to do any more of those, please let us know. Um, you can, you know, either email us uh, comments at uglycouchshow.com or just put up a, uh, a comment in the uh, Shock Monkeys lair. Ask if you, you know, see, see if you want us to do more of these because as the as the model kits keep coming in, the model will get bigger. So, but I know there's a lot of people doing those types of things right now with that with this particular kit. But uh, if it's something you guys are interested in, uh, you know, shock monkeys, let it, let me know. All right. So I got two questions about the video. I haven't watched it. Sure. Yet. Sure. Uh, so first off, uh, how long 
was the uh, stream? We did about 55 minutes. Okay, pretty solid. In those 55 minutes, how Mm -hmm. far in the model did you get? Uh, We put two pieces of the kit together. (laughs) So, Wow. yeah, it's uh, it's well, <laughs> it has very tiny screws. You're 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 mounting um, infrastructure inside of the model as well as uh, there's a lighting kit, so it's going to be fully illuminated when it's fully assembled. Wow! So it's, I got to ask a real question here. Sure. Did you plug your OnlyFans while you were like halfway through the model building? <laughs> no, I don't have an OnlyFans. <laughs> what about the Instagram? <laughs> no. Did you, Did tell, you tell him to smash that button? Yeah. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> I didn't say smash that uh, notification, uh, the smash that like button and mash that notification bell. So be sure but to yeah, like no, it was it was enjoyable. We actually talked a little bit about some Star Trek stories that we had experience with over the years, either at the experience or at conventions and stuff, and while we were assembling the thing. And, and this is you and Darren, right? Uh, this, yes, this was Darren, uh, Cork's most uh, famous bartender, and I putting it together. Or you know, I was like, "Oh, I know you. The you're Darren's friend. That's that's my role in 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 life. Any, anywhere I go in the Star Trek yeah. community." So, so see Darren and Darren's friend put together the uh, put the we, it, we put together one engine nacelle. That's what we did. Well, and then we actually did. I'm sorry, I take that back. We did one engine nacelle, half of that, and then uh, the deflector dish. Piece. And that was that was two kits to put the, just those two pieces together. There's yeah, a whole other long... kit, which is the other half of that engine nacelle. So wait, 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 wait. What, what do you mean another kit? I mean, it's a subscription service. So Eagle Moss oh, is a subscription no. service. So but wait, so if you get the whole model, you, you get the model guys, and pieces. Didn't you get it? It's heavy. You're not going to get that three foot monster in one fucking box. No, they're going to send it to him in pieces. God, what uh. a scam. <laughs> uh, yes, Andy, a lot of them, it's... Is this so run by Games Darren Workshop? Said, like, what is this? When he sat down... <laughs> honestly, he said when he... And he says this in the video. When he sat down and examined exactly how many kits there are in the series and how much it would cost him, he's going to say... It said it's roughly $1,600. And there was another Enterprise D model ow. kit that he was looking at. That was the same size uh, plastic, but fully illuminated, and was seventeen hundred dollars. Uh-huh. So he said, "I liked the idea of this one being metal, and also me actually getting to put it together and kind of hone those skills." So that's why he chose to go with the Eagle Moss kit versus getting this other kit that's mostly pre-assembled. And I think the plastic one was not pre-painted either. But I'll have to go back and watch the video again. Because I, I, I honestly I don't remember off the top of my head. It took you almost I, an hour to finish this cell. How long did you tell your captain it would take? Because how are you going to keep your your <laughs> reputation as a miracle worker if you give him the real time? I foresee a commission in your future, Todd. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's pre-painted. It's pre-painted, Matt. I thought you said it wasn't pre-painted. It is pre- the the plastic model that he was looking at before he settled on the Eagle Moss one was not pre-painted. But the oh, okay. Eagle Moss one is pre-painted, and the details are actually pretty impressive. Yeah, but we're going to have to send it to Todd to fix that one thing that wasn't working out right, and right. we'll have to take care of the decal. Maybe. Darren has tried... 70 pounds. Darren the has... decals? Yeah, the decals. It's decals. <laughs> the decals. <laughs> Getting my decals up. 
Yeah, don't 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 bury that weed. Oh, oh my he's God. trying so hard. <laughs> trying so hard. I know rub. he is. Yeah. Someone's bringing the funny today. Darren has Darren and I have talked, and Darren has tried to get me to has tried to hire me to build some of his models, and uh, I that's not what I do. I, I'm a, I'm a miniature painter, and I stay busy enough for that. I, I don't do model kits right. anymore. Model, for, I, I a, have my own model kits, but not you're, for that. You're a great storer of models, but you're not a builder of models. <laughs> not in a while, anyway. You still got that Babylon 5 model? Yeah, I do. Not, you son mentioned it. Bitch! Son of a bitch! <laughs> nowhere near being built. Nope, nowhere near. <laughs> but, but my collection of dust is about as equal. So, I'd say even like more to, so. Than, it's, it's a double collection. Would you like to sell that B5? I'm going to hold on to it for a little bit longer, I think. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it's been out of production for ages. It's only going to accrue in value. It's I don't know. Isn't Matt, isn't it your birthday this week? Didn't you have a birthday? Isn't that like... Uh... No, no, no. I don't know what he's talking about. It's not my birthday. It's his birthday. Oh, Kirsten, do you want a Babylon 5 model? My birthday? My birthday's not for another week, and no. <laughs> yeah, it's closer <laughs> to my birthday. My birthday's end of May. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, well, it was the last time I saw you, which would have been in May, I guess. I don't know. Which was 48 hours ago? No, no, but we didn't have that conversation then. You were too oh. busy complaining about... Oh, wait, like we, played, we played Munchkin. That's right. I forgot we did that. Yeah. And my wife ended up winning. Bunch yeah. of bullshit. <laughs> and the whole oh. time she's like, I never win. I never win. I'm like, yes, you do. You just won right now. <laughs> oh, was, was she doing was she doing her Jeff impersonation? You would have loved it, Andy. You would have loved it because it was fresh out of the box. So we uh, did some critical shuffling. Role. Critical role munchkin. Critical role wow. munchkin. And uh fresh out of the box. And we did some shuffling. We did lots of shuffling, but apparently not enough that Every time it got the mat, he would pull a curse. Wow. <laughs> Wonderful. He, he got cursed four times in a row. And that's hey. not including the curse where, as I'm walking in the kitchen to get some water, I hear over my shoulder, I'm sorry, babe. <laughs> hey, hey, monkeys, it's another pandemic notice. People clear out their houses and stuff. Keep hitting those thrift stores because I picked up... Uh, a really nice copy of Bang for like five bucks this week. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Like the one that's in a bullet. Yeah. Classic bullet. Yeah, nice. With a, with a couple bonus bonus decks in it. Bang is a great game. Yes. And I picked up uh, I picked up a bag of like four games, three of which I didn't give a shit, but it was like four or five bucks and uh, Munchkin Oz was in it. Like, that's that's it right there. Munchkin Oz sure. was the price of admission. Uh, so it was, a, it was a bundle for five bucks. Yeah, it was a it was at a thrift store, so it was a plastic baggie full of games. Oh, Five I bucks. see. Yeah, been there, done that. <laughs> a few things business wise for uh, Geek Shock, of course, uh, the book club. We are voting for July's book right now. So in the meantime, the current book is The Mirage, a novel by Matt Ruff. And I've also, uh, by request, I've also started a Hollywood Stock Exchange League. So if you play hsx.com, it's free to play. It's kind of a stock market game having to do with movies. Uh, so if you play that or interested, I posted up to Shock Monkey's Lair how to find that league. Or you can just go to hsx.com and in the league section, just look for Geek Shock and you shall find us. 
And finally, with the business, uh, the pinball tournament, the 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 grand one, the one that that Barry wanted so badly, and Barry got to choose the table is over. So it is time to reveal the scores. Hey, drumroll. Barry lost, Barry lost, Barry lost, Barry lost place, Barry last place. So we will do the top five. So at number five is Leon Mitt with 70 million points plus. Uh, number four, Mr. Hyde with 87 million points. Uh, Froyog Soft Serve, Justin with 103 million points. And number two, Aussie Matt, 106 million points. And uh, somebody named uh, Master Torgo at number one with 387 million points. So let me just double check this. Uh, uh, Barry wasn't in the top five? No. Huh, Barry did that. not enter the I'm top five that. at huh. all. Ah, that's even better than five. I'm, yeah. How many people played? <laughs> We had we had nine people in this tournament. Of course, not everybody who plays this game has all tables, so we're we're a bit restricted by that by what tables people own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had nine players. So I want to put a thank you out to DH twelve oh nine Microscope uh, Chadwick Gundybum, uh, and of course uh, Doctor Vlarg, who came in sixth, but not enough to reach <laughs> the top five. What a loser! That's, that's, that's perfect. Six just out of the top five. That's a beautiful thing. So everybody who joined in, I, I love when you when you play pinball with us. So so thank you so much for participating. And of course, there'll be another one in the near future. Uh, maybe we'll do a poll on the next one to see uh, uh, how many people are interested in which tables. So Kirsten, what did you do this week? I watched the Limey with uh, the uh, the great Terrence Stamp uh, of Superman fame. Actually, uh, years before. Taken came out, so it could be considered really the first of the old man going on a tear movies. <laughs> it was actually pretty good. Stamp was actually very good, and there was actually a pretty good performance in there from Peter Fonda as well. And I watched Point Blank, which was a Lee Marvin movie based on uh, the Parker thriller or crime stories. Parker being a character, and of course I'm Donald Westlake, I believe, is the author. And Parker is a sort of amoral anti-hero character because he's a thief with uh, very, uh, very brutal. The movie is kind of loosely based on that story. They did some major changes to it, and that was interesting. And then I watched Safety Not Guaranteed. Oh, which uh, is right there in the uh, Andrew Taylor uh, category of delightful. <laughs> wow. That's, 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 that's been in my my watch list for so long. I keep yeah. forgetting about it. Yeah, I finally I just finally uh, flick connection was recommending some movie. Actually, you, mm, the hidden gems, I believe it was. And uh, it's like, well, you know, time to indulge that Aubrey Plaza crush. And let's watch this movie. Sure. And it. It's an indie. It's by Colin Trevorrow. Yep. But it has a very Spike Jones feel to it oh. as an indie. But it it actually was uh, was very good. I enjoyed it immensely. Little indie movie, nothing big, nothing, you know, crazy. I enjoyed that a lot. 
Then I went over to Matt and Paulette's and I played with Meg a lot. It, it was really funny because at one point Matt was just like, look at this, look at this. Whose dog is she? And Paulette is, <laughs> Paulette's kind of offendedly going, mine. <laughs> but, uh, but Meg and I have a lot of fun. She's, uh, she's a fun little pup. Nothing really uh, else to report. Uh, Critical Role has ended its second campaign. So they actually have a guest DM on, and they're doing a short arc of stories. And that was fun to watch their first episode. That's really about it. I downloaded Net NetHack Legacy. Oh, wow. Which is sort of a – it's not the NetHack. Okay. But it's, it's uh, sort of a NetHack. Because I guess NetHack still exists, is still being – the developers still do stuff with it. I mean, it it, it is still my, more. My understanding is that has ended. Netflat, uh, NetHack, they're not making any more of those. They they aren't. They are not. Yeah, you can still download it though. Yes, and I'm, I'm I'm mostly referring to the the physical card game. That's the one that, that I assume that one's based on. So anyway, I did, I got the the legacy, which is interesting. Playing that whole ASCII based. Uh, uh, game. I'm, I I apologize. I there was thinking, we go. I was thinking Netrunner. Never mind. Okay, good. Mm. Because I was like, I think I'm just gonna let this ride because I have no idea how he's wrong, <laughs> and I was just gonna I was just gonna let it go by. Cool your jets, Andy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my apologies, Woo! everyone. Wow. Let me, let me give you my heartfelt Andy apology. <laughs> right. So. So yeah, the I believe that the the original NetHack they still do stuff with. They still yes. add to. They still, and Legacy is sort of like harkens back to an older version of it. Um, and you get it on Steam. The actual NetHack you would have to go to the uh, you'd have to find the actual server and all that stuff. Although it's not like it's tough or anything. But I just did the Steam one. So fun classic. Do, don't eat the jackal if it's been dead too long. That's a good rule in general. Yeah, mm -hmm. because when you Important. get poisoned, that's it. You're fucked. You're not getting out of it. You get a couple Important rounds, and then they say you're dead. So, but, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm missing. I did miss the third episode of Loki, so, oh. you know, no spoilers. Oh, so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I, 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 I'm interested after the reveal at the end of the second episode, so. I will say that for the first time in the Loki series, I think I know what's going to happen for about three minutes of the next episode. But that's it. Mm -hmm. has, this one, has this one grabbed you like Wanda Vision? Yeah. Either through and through. Yeah. Through yeah. and yeah, through. It has. I mean, originally, I, I think we talked about this. I wasn't excited at all. I was going to watch it, right? Yeah. But I wasn't like excited like I was for WandaVision. Yeah, me but too. But boy, oh boy, that first episode... Mm. They grab you by the shorties and give you a good yank. <laughs> uh, if you felt that way about the first episode, the third episode will make you feel that way even more. Good. I'm looking forward to that. Because, I mean, it's just as somebody that has done camera work before, there's a few things in that this newest episode that just make me go, God damn it, I love when filmmakers take some some chances with the camera work. And this one... Interesting. Did some really good stuff with it. I like hearing that beforehand because that's something I can keep in mind and look for. Okay. Absolutely. 
I did see a couple other movies this week. I watched Super Me. It, it's hard to nail the genre on this one, so but I'll try my best. It is a Chinese modern fantasy with a tinge of comedy horror. The okay. basic premise of Super Me is a writer is having a hard time with his writing block because he's getting no sleep. Because every time he falls asleep, there is an entity that is there in his dreams waiting to kill him, a la Freddy Krueger. And he just keeps losing sleep, and it, it's it feels so real every single moment. And, but then he wakes up and just cannot continue, and he's losing his the quality of life because of it. Until one time when he's being attacked, he has a hold of the sword he's being attacked by and pulls it out of the dream with him into the real world Mm. and decides to sell that sword to an antique dealer and make lots and lots of money and then opens up his own personal enterprise of profiting off this thing that's trying to kill him by stealing its weapons and things in his dreams to take out of his dreams and sell in the real world. Nice. So, uh, so a capitalist comedy bent on the Freddy Krueger mythos. Nice. I would love to have a dream camera. I see some really great stuff in my dreams. Like, I wish I had a picture of that, but then it's gone. It oh, flips away. No, like, I don't. The whole world is not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I used to think something similar to that, but then I realized all of my dreams would probably look like Jim Morrison's failed film project. So it's completely unwatchable but to anyone. I always used to like the morning after I would have like a really vivid dream, I would try to do a, a dream journal and like jot down as many details as I could remember from the dream because after an hour or two after I wake up, I can't remember shit about the dream. Even like when I first wake up, there's just so vivid, like clear, like almost like a video in my head. But mm-hmm. as the day goes on, it just fades, and I, I never could understand why it was that way. But and when you looked back at the journal, was it gibberish? No, uh, it just—it's like I was trying to figure out what, because I would just write the details down, and then what I could remember of the overall—I don't know if you want to call it the theme of the dream—but just it wasn't the same. It's like it's like it would be like when I would write scripts in film school versus if I were to write something now. If I go back and look at that script. I don't know what I was thinking in the moment that I wrote that because yeah, I'm a different person now than I was back then. It's also that weird dream state, too, where you know, you're very excited about it when you write it down. And you look at it yes. the next day, and it's like, and there was a dog, and he was happy. Yeah. Okay. That's you know. <laughs> And it was really pertinent at the time, like really right, pertinent. exactly. It meant so much, and he just woke up. I keep having this re- recurring dream that I just can't figure out, and it's really weird because... I don't get recurring dreams much, but this one keeps coming back at me because it's like it it takes place in the physically in my old high school, although it's not my old high school. I transferred to another high school and I have everything I need to graduate, except that I didn't do any of the homework or any of the classwork. I just took the tests. And because of that. I may not have enough credit to graduate high school. And I've got three weeks to try to make up all this homework to to be able to graduate. 
And the one class where I'm really, really behind in, I haven't even attended the class. Yep. And so I'm walking around the hallways just trying to find that class so I can talk to that teacher to see about what I can do. That is, that is not an uncommon theme. I've, I've had similar ones. I think it's the one dream that, that brings us all together as humanity. Right. I, it sounds I, it's so, so much. Weird. And I, I ha, I've been, guys, I've been having this dream for months. Oh. Last night was just like the last night I, I had it. And it's just, I don't get it. I have dreamscapes. I have recurring settings in my dreams. And for a while, there was like a recurring Boston, but it wasn't really Boston. It was jumbled up. And, and sometimes I have these New Bedford dreams where I went to college. And driving into New Bedford this week, I passed this corner. I'm like, fuck, that corner's been in my dream. It has no significance to me whatsoever. I just recognize <laughs> that corner. That, that corner has definitely been in my dream. Very Andy, weird. on the corner. I'm not sure that's right. a dream I want to have. <laughs> I told you, we're not ready. <laughs> you like think he's drawing caricatures. He's oh. busking. You just don't know what he's busking. <laughs> <laughs> busking makes me feel good. Uh, before I go off Super Me, I do want to say for those who want to watch it, it is in Chinese, so you do have to read subtitles. Yeah. And the ending is a ver- one of those endings that's very, very interpretive. There's a lot of ways of interpreting that ending. So if you like your endings to be clean cut, this is not your movie. You found Chinese Sopranos? Maybe a little more clean cut than that. Um, okay. <laughs> the other movie I watched uh, was Greenland. Uh, All right, what? Greenland. Greenland. Okay. Yes. Uh, I'm, and none of you have heard of this movie, right? Uh, is that the one with... Um, Gerard Butler. Yeah, Gerard Butler. Yeah, Gerard yeah Butler. I've seen it. I've it, seen it. Okay, yes. Oh. Uh, a, an apocalyptic d- disaster movie. I have seen... Now you've said it, I've, I've seen the previews. They were on a heavy yeah. run somewhere from at some point. Yes, a, a comet is coming to Earth. It's breaking apart. Uh, the largest piece is going to hit Earth, and it's going to be an extinction event. And one man and his family trying to get to safety. I will say that that first hour and ten minutes is absolutely unrelenting. Mm. That movie is caused anxiety in me that I have not felt in a long time from a movie. After the hour and ten minutes, it, it breathed for a second, and then it it still stayed intense story wise. But I, I never felt that anxiety after about an hour and ten minutes. But I got to tell you, boy, that first hour don't let up. Yeah, it, it, it punches you it. and goes. It punches you harder and goes, and then punches you harder than that. Apparently, they're working on a sequel to it too. Yeah. Yes, they are. I've, 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 I put it in the. It's, it's somewhere deep in the show notes somewhere that may may be on Earth one day. <clears throat> it's actually called Puerto Rico. It's being produced <laughs> by Trump. Yeah. And what happens is after the apocalypse, they trade Greenland for Puerto Rico, and nope. then Trump wow. has to live in Puerto Rico. Nope. Hmm. And he's like humongous. He walks around in in leather gear with a mask on. <laughs> The is, actual is, one is called Greenland Migration, and I'm not going to really get into what that's about because that might spoil the first movie a little bit. Uh, Greenland is on HBO Max. If you like disaster apocalypse movies, I highly recommend it. It's definitely better than all the disaster movies that came out in the 90s. Right. That, and the pathos of it is super heavy, so just be aware you, you are in for a harrowing time. How dare you? 
How dare you? How dare you? What? What? Aerosmith asteroid movie. <laughs> I will gladly be smirched. Aerosmith, Aerosmith asteroid, movie. asteroid movie. I have no idea what he's talking about. Armageddon, Andy. <laughs> Why is that Aerosmith asteroid movie? Oh, my. Let me break it down for you. Uh, first of all, it features a song by Aerosmith because Steven Tyler's fucking daughter is in the film. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why it's an Aerosmith film. And I believe they even big- have like a minor producer credit on it, too, if I remember. Aerosmith's, Aerosmith's biggest hit of all time is from that movie. Really? It's arguable that that song is a bigger hit than the movie. And the yes. movie was a big hit. Oh, it's wow. not arguable. It's a fact. <laughs> even though the movie did make a shitload of money. Yeah. Yes. And a Michael Bay joint, wasn't it? Yep, yep. it was Michael One Bay. Of early ones, yeah. yeah. The Rock, back, and then that, right? Yeah, it, back that was back when Michael Bay felt like um, a storyline in the movie was at least somewhat important to uh, to drive the <laughs> the film forward, as opposed to just action sequences thrown together uh, with no real through line. How there's many a, Astro movies a, was there? Like that one, you had like the Seven Cowboy one with Tommy Lee Jones, or was that at Armageddon? And Clint Eastwood. They were like a crew. How about Space Cowboys? That one. Okay. <laughs> That's not Michael Bay. <laughs> no, 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 no. How many? Uh, like, well, you mean Deep Impact, Space Cowboys, Armageddon. Right. Armageddon. Yeah. It all came out within like three years of each other. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then you had the ones around it like Volcano and The Core. Yeah. 2012. Eventually 2012. Yeah, eventually, but but in the '90s, it was like just just five years of just all these disaster movies coming out. Well, there were disaster movies in the '70s too, but they were oh, sure. and they all had every every star in the world in it, and they were all dumb as hell, but fun. <laughs> You're right; those were superstar joints. Mm-hmm. Thomas, you know, I think thinking about it, you know, uh, The Rock and its superstar cast kind of does harken back to like Towering Inferno and. Yes, Poseidon Adventure. You know what bugs me about the Rock is the uh, the fact that they're breaking in backwards into the thing, and and un- none of the stuff he's doing backwards would work forwards. It's like, oh, I know how to stop this from this side. Great, but you were coming from the other side before. I I, I still need to watch it. It's it's in my watch later. There is a video on YouTube. They talk about how the Rock is actually a James Bond film. Yeah, that and, makes sense. Uh, what little bit of it I have actually watched has an interesting premise to it, and uh, it could definitely be something that, that you you could make an argument that The Rock is actually a James Bond film. The idea would be because he is supposed to be a British secret agent who's captured by the Americans and put into the the. He's the not rock. a secret agent. He's an SAS SAS trooper. The difference. Bob. Yeah, yes, the, the name of the uh, the name of the video on YouTube is called "The Rock is Definitely a James Bond Movie." Right, <laughs> well, that's easy. But to yeah, by I mean, <laughs> mm. Pentex Productions. I, I wonder if I'll find that one. I wonder what the hypothesis is. Mm. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. That 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 Sean Connery is a spy. <laughs> dun, 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 no, no, dun. no, he's an SAS agent. <laughs> Trooper. <laughs> SAS Commando. He's a sassy commando. He's a spy who sleeps commando. Two snaps, baby. Two snaps. (laughs) Uh, Before we continue on with news, I do want to harken back to something. Uh, Just an odd little coincidence, uh, I'm sure. 
<laughs> uh, Barry, last episode, brought up the Argentina and steam and the weird thing with the <laughs> currency, right? Yes. Yes. And because we're talking about something we know nothing about, mainly right. Argentinian economy, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go look and, and actually try to see a little more on this. And it just so happened that Gama Sutra had an article about this that was published like a week or two prior. Oh, wow. Wow. And it was the end of a full investigation of this whole thing. So when all, when all is said and done, how dumb do we look? We, we did not take some the obvious into account on the fact that Argentinian currency is extremely devalued. I, I condensed the Gama Sutra thing down a little bit so you could kind of get to see what's, at, what's happening out there. Uh, Gama Sutra had a mini-investigation uh, that started after a game developer, Game Discover Co., started asking questions about their Steam game sales in Argentina. They seemed suspiciously high, like 6 to 7% of total sales worldwide just from Argentina. Its total population is 44 million compared to, say, Brazil's population of 210 million. So it shouldn't be 6% of total sales worldwide. But if you look at the Steam default suggested country pricing, Argentina is the cheapest at only 13% of U.S. pricing on average. Quote, in Argentina, the currency is devalued. The prices on Steam are regionalized, which produces the games on Steam for Argentina. They're much cheaper than other countries. People use are using VPNs oh. to change the region of their Steam accounts to buy these games at Argentinian prices. But it's not easy anymore because now they've made it that you have to use a local payment method. So now people are starting to buy credit and debit cards from Argentina to use on Steam to buy at lower prices. That's how so deep this stuff is getting. There's a wow. bunch of cheap-ass gamer nerds out there that are virtual <laughs> Argentinians. Yes. Jeez. How, lo- how long until they, they launch their attack on VPNs? Here we go. Here we go. I just heard that, actually. Uh, sort yeah, of. Yeah, he just said it, Matt. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ignore maybe, him. Maybe, Ignore maybe him. we should attack VPNs, man. Uh, I was watching Flick Connection getting movie suggestions, and he does his um, pitch for Cyber Ghost. And one of the pitches is you can change your location and open up Netflix and other streamers and other areas to get stuff that isn't allowed in your region. And then he goes... I know that they're cracking down on VPNs now, but CyberGhost is still one of the best ones to do this with. So it sounds like they're actually starting to uh, work on closing the VPN loophole. I think he was saying that they were actually, if you're on a VPN, you actually couldn't. Some places were not letting you stream or something like that. Uh, that, uh, that is true uh, as far as uh, basic location goes. Uh, some VPNs will like change what you have available for Netflix, and others won't. Uh, for example, my VPN is through Norton. It, it will tell other computers that I'm from whatever country it tells I want to tell it from, but it will not affect my streaming services. I because, have Norton because Norton because Norton says no. I have Nord VPN. I've actually tried it just to see if it works. I am actually able to. Tell Nord that I want to be, quote unquote, in Great Britain, and then I can watch Netflix Great Britain films that are in there if I wanted to. So it's still working for you. 
It does uh, work for me currently. But Todd, I'm a little confused on semantics. What did you mean by Norton says no? Uh, that you can or can't? Cannot. Uh, when I when I try to go to Netflix, it uh, says uh, behind the VPN, there's nothing they can do. Uh. And and you are right. What you're reading was correct. Uh, uh, streaming services in particular are cracking down on trying to catch all these VPNs that have started up. So it's only a matter of time before it really starts to separate those out. That is it. Yo, ho, yo. <laughs> do you not realize how easy it is to do that? Like, oh, these fucking streaming services, man. Well, now you know why I have this rage, Andy. <laughs> For these fucking I streaming services. Think you had a you have a rage on a lot of stuff. I don't think you can narrow it down to that. That's a <laughs> oh, big man. one. I mean, it's you are you are like eighty percent rage and twenty percent poutine. <laughs> no, it's no, you're like seventy percent rage, twenty percent poutine, and because of the forty or ten percent jet ski. Ah, well, Matt, the 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 whole reason that the the streaming services are trying to crack down on the VPNs. Not so much that it's eating into the profits, because it's not. They, like, if, if it were up to them, they probably wouldn't bother. But they have a lot of licensing agreements, with, and they're regional-based for a lot of the things that they screen. And it's those production companies that are approaching the streaming services and saying, hey, people are doing this with your service, crack down on it, or we take our TV shows, movies, etc. out of your catalog. Because, like, even I remember many years ago, somebody uh, at Netflix was like a chief technology officer or something said, no, it doesn't really affect our bottom line at all. So they didn't used to care really about VPNs. But now that the studios are saying, hey, give us more money, they're starting to have more of a stranglehold over the streaming services. That is correct. And if I was the CEO of Netflix, I'd be like, so when are you going to launch your streaming service? I don't fucking care. Well, why do you think companies like Amazon and Netflix are starting their own studios? They, they, you know, they have more control over yeah. what's on their platform. They don't have other companies saying, okay, if you want to keep this catalog of films, here's what we want instead. So. And, and maybe they did say, go ahead and start your own, Disney. Yeah. <laughs> Paramount. <laughs> Fuck you guys. No, that was in the works already. CBS. Okay, <laughs> I mean, shoot. I mean, it's even rumored now. I mean, you know, it's just still in the rumor category. But uh, in order to compete with, like, Disney conglomerates, apparently Paramount and, uh, well, CBS, Paramount, and Universal are pondering a merger. Really? So it'd be Comcast, Universal, and Paramount together. Uh, the shiver just went down my spine. Yeah, exactly. And and then they still great. would not be nearly as big as Disney. Was there a great disturbance in the force? There was. This is the Mega Corpse. Here we go. It's coming. Yeah. Get ready, Shadow Run. But like I said, go. it's still in the Buy rumor category at this Net point. Runner, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that was out of print. Oh yeah. <laughs> you are correct, sir. But get it on Steam. <laughs> now let's do some news you don't give a shit about. <laughs> really nice sound ethos. work. On the, really nice sound work in the last one, by the way. I love the echo and shit. That was it's, amazing. It, it adds a little more flavor. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, before we continue on, and for some people, this will fit perfectly. Barry mentioned on the last show that he has started over a new uh, version three of uh, Geek Minecraft or the Geek Shock Minecraft. I'd started joining in again. I've been playing oh a little Minecraft God. with him. Uh, it's I'm still early in it. It's it's my favorite way of playing Minecraft, starting off with nothing and having to get all the, the stuff and build up your your world and, and exploring a little bit. And plus there's a lot of new stuff to, uh, to find because it is a new version of Minecraft. That means they've added new blocks and new way things work and all sorts of good stuff, new monsters and apparently goats that scream. I haven't found those yet, but darn it. I will. So if you've thought about getting into Minecraft, uh, check it out on shock monkeys lair. Uh, Barry has posted up there, uh, how you can get onto the, Geek Shock Minecraft server. So now I don't know uh, a ton about the crafting here, Todd, but how hard would it be to make a whole bunch of sixth place participation trophies? Uh, <laughs> scatter them all over the world. I I, I love this idea. Um, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Where number uh, six? Where number six? <laughs> and there there is. Uh, it's it's wonderful to see all the shock monkeys that are still playing Minecraft all this time on there. Just does my heart good. Hi everybody, uh, you'll you'll see me there soon. And fuck deep slate. All right, let's move on to uh, news you don't give a shit about. The I next scream twice. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That, that was the, the official okay. thing's done. Okay, that's all good, right. Because my yeah. my throat's getting raw, man. That's the, right. putting pathos into this. This is hard. Yeah. yeah, people don't know that you scream twice. I know. Right. This is. I know. this is this is how the sausage is made it it involves a lot of screaming twice the sausage being my throat (laughs) the next movie in the transformers franchise is officially on the way Uh, director steve capel jr's film is currently in the early days of production the movie is titled transformers rise of the beasts as the name suggests, it focuses on the Beast Wars installment of the Transformers franchise from the late 90s cartoon series. The upcoming film takes place in 1994. It also introduces new robot aliens to the big screen, the Terracons, the Predacons, and the Maximals. It is set to be released on June 24th, 2022. I'll be sure not to be there. Get ready for some. If it's you're get, get ready for more robots punching each other. Who cares? If you were kind of lost on the last bunch of Transformers, not Bumblebee excluded, that's kind of a little character piece, a little different than the rest. Then you're going to be way lost on this one if you never saw the uh, the '90s cartoon. They're not going to make it so complex that you can't get into it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if you haven't recognized Transformers thus far and you were not into Beast Wars, you're not going to recognize them either. But to a subsection of Transformers fans, uh, there is a group that absolutely adore Beast Wars. I know. One of them dragged me to a Transformers convention, and I sat through a lot of Beast Wars conferences. (laughs) I remember that. all. Wasn't the highlight. No, Paul dragged me to the He-Man conference. Okay. Uh, my friend Rudy dragged me to the Transformers conference, which we flew to Indiana to go to see from Las There's Vegas. never I a was... good reason to go to Indiana. No, that's where I'm from. I don't go back there. 
It's the only time I have been back in Indiana that close to my hometown, and it was an hour away from my hometown. Don't get me wrong. Good convention. Had a lot of fun, but much like He-Man, a little above what I know in that regard. A very specific fan that I'm not particularly that fan of. Fan of geek culture in general, so I I had a good time, but I'm sorry. The Beast Wars panels just don't do it for me. Not nearly as good as the the gem convention? That I probably would have enjoyed a little more. Gem is excitement. Outrageous, truly, exactly. truly outrageous. Truly, yeah. news you don't give a shit about. The Halo series is still in production, but the two showrunners, Stephen Kane and Kyle Killen, are no longer part of it. Killen has already left Halo before production even started last year. The rigorous shooting schedule in Budapest was the reported reason for his departure. Kane has stayed on and became lead showrunner, and production is currently ongoing. While Kane will stay through post-production, he will not return to the show if it gets picked up for a second season, as he wants to return to the U.S. for personal reasons. So I'm feeling that Budapest is the issue. The series is based on the video game, of course, takes place during the major 26th century conflict where humans are fighting aliens known as the Covenant. The path for a live action TV version of Halo has been a rocky one. The first news of a potential adaptation came in 2013 when Microsoft announced it was teaming up with Stephen King, of all people, to develop a show. The project eventually moved to Showtime in 2019 with Kane and Killian attached, and then COVID happened and production was delayed. Then Paramount Company CBS Viacom moved the series from Showtime to Paramount Plus in February of this year, and now you're up to date on all the machinations behind Halo. So there's only so much Slavic food Kane can eat. I, I didn't understand that. What would what, you say? The Kane is the guy that left, right? Because he couldn't, didn't the want first, me in Budapest. Kane, Kane was yeah. the first guy that left. Okay. Uh, who's the second guy that left? Uh, that would be Killian. Okay, Killian. So Killian could only stand so much Slavic food. I guess so. <laughs> only, only so many deep fried galumpkis you can eat. Yeah, too bad Hungarians aren't Slavic. They're mad Damn they it! are. <laughs> I'm I'm such an American. Yeah, I was thinking that I'm like, he knows where Budapest is, right? No, no, he doesn't. Just silently sitting here going, I don't think he knows geography. You were probably thinking Bucharest? I don't know. No, Matt, the operative word is thinking. No, I appreciate trying to pull my ass out of that one, Matt, but no, I'm an idiot. There you go. Budapest, Bucharest, I see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, see? See? Man's got my back. I appreciate that. And I'll be sure. abused like him. Damn it. Well, he understands the slurry language, so <laughs> that helps. <laughs> the fringe on top. <laughs> Andy at the airport. I need my translator. Matthew here. I'm here to, uh... <laughs> they passed on Neil Blomkoff, so fuck him. Yeah, that was dumb. He's the one that did District Nine and uh, yes. the other one, right? Yeah, and okay. he did some beautiful. Elysium. He did yeah. some beautiful experimental Halo shorts to show that proof of concept. Yeah. And nobody bid on it, and it was like twenty years ago. This could have been solved. Whatever. News you don't give a shit about. There's more. God. It's your fault, Andy. HBO Max is rebooting the sitcom series Perfect Strangers. Oh, what? what a country. 
starring Robin Thede, <laughs> who was part of a Black Lady sketch show, and British writer and comedian London Hughes. Thede will also write and executive produce the series. In addition to starring, uh, Robert L. Boyett, who produced the original series, will also executive produce. Warner Brothers Television will produce as well. Uh, quote, in the multicam reboot, Perfect Strangers, Deja and Poppy unexpectedly discover that they are half-sisters when they both inherit a one-bedroom apartment above a trap yoga studio in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Polar opposites, they must learn how to live and work together, unquote. The original series started Bronson Pinchot and Marklin Baker, with Pinchot playing Balky, uh, is it uh, Bartokamus? Thank you, Bartokamus, from the <laughs> fictional land of Mipos? Mipos. Yep. And it ran for eight seasons. There's nothing about this description that says Perfect Strangers to me at all. Wow. You know, well, I'm mostly it, surprised by the fact that you just said the original ran for eight seasons. I had no idea that it ran insane. that long. I did not Mark, either. Mark Wynn Baker is one of my is in one of my absolute most favorite movies, and Perfect Strangers was so vanilla. Perfect Strangers, but the thing about it is that the whole thing was built around Balky. It was basically Brunson Pinchot's per- character. Or, or the, his performance from Beverly Hills Cop, and they were like, "Oh, let's let's play with that," and they created a whole series right. from it. Let's so take, let's take let's take his, his gay character from that, mix him up a little bit with uh, Robin Williams and Andy Kaufman, and try and make it a show. And it worked. Oh, and, worked and, and, for, for eight seasons, which is astounds me. I, I remember seeing a couple episodes, and none of them <laughs> made me want to say, "Let me watch eight more seasons of that." My sister loved the show. My middle sister absolutely adored the show, watched it every week. And I just found it Gronesville. Like the jokes never seemed laugh out loud funny. It literally was just like every time one of the jokes was, was said on the on the screens. It's just I just I'm still amazed it went eight seasons. That's what the hell wow. was his, his catchphrase? What was his uh All I remember is they, they do the dance of joy anytime they were that they got good news, and that's, was, that's was, what I remember. What, was his catchphrase, don't be ridiculous? Yes. That's yes, it. You're absolutely that's right. That and all that. the Miposian say, sayings. Mm-hmm. Either I forgot like, it or I just suppressed it. I'm not sure which. <laughs> in Mipos, we say, he who hesitates sleeps with the goats. Stuff like that. But you know what? Uh, Jeff, you just gave me a great idea. Two-camera, live studio audience sitcom called Groansville. And in the laugh track, instead of laughs, we have groans. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Yeah, just like that. It's perfect. Yeah. That'd be great. Can you imagine that? I think that we got something bite. here. There you go. That, oh, sound bite. I like sound bites. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. And the, the character of Serge on, on Beverly Hills Cop was a much... I mean, it's very underutilized in the film because he was only in a few scenes in the first film, and they brought him back for uh, the last Beverly Hills Cop film, which was, what, three? Yeah. yeah. And, and his character was terrible yes. at that. His version of Surge in Beverly Hills Cop 3 was, I would argue, spun off of Perfect Strangers Balky. So it was like, it was it was almost like coming full circle because... Wow. The, the little bit that the studio saw that made them think, hey, let's make a, a series around this character, it made that character much more exaggerated in that 
that final Beverly Hills Cop film. Mm-hmm. What it gets me about this whole thing is that they're calling it Perfect Strangers, but the description sounds a lot more like Odd Couple when it comes down yeah. to it. There's not a lot about that description. Uh, Half sisters inherit a one bedroom apartment in New York and must learn to live and work together. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of sitcoms over the last few decades uh, with the odd couple formula. But there's nothing there's nothing in here that that throws out the whole perfect strangers was the odd couple. Right. The thing the thing was, is you were laughing. You were laughing at a foreigner which has a different context nowadays. That's true. And also, maybe they have the rights to the name Perfect Strangers and not to the title of The Odd Couple. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to give it a new name because that's not as marketable as Perfect no, Strangers. that's right. I don't yeah. think Neil Simon's just letting that go easily. Well, because well, they rebooted The <laughs> Odd Couple. They'd have to pry it from his cold, dead fingers. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget, they just rebooted The Odd Couple, what, three years ago? Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was right before the pandemic. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's why we've already got an odd couple in the work. What about Perfect Strangers? Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> oh, I was mean, that the was that the pitch meeting? They were like, they were like three scripts into their 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 thinking. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's already been done, guys. Like like last year. <laughs> Shit. We can't what else is out there we can steal? Yeah. Twenty fifteen was the most recent odd couple reboot. And, you know, Hollywood can't go to Andy for alternate titles of everything. Right. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great. Andy, we're ripping off uh, Odd Couple and Perfect Strangers. Give us a title and, you know. Perfectly Odd. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. He's a magic man. I know. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> All right, we got to get a lawyer because if Hollywood produces a perfectly odd sitcom in the next two years, you know they stole it from here. Weekend Geek! Yay! Uh, This next one's on the cusp. Could go either way. Purgatory? Sure. Forgot that was even a thing for a while. Oh. (laughs) Keep forgetting. (laughs) <laughs> was it Purgatorio? Purgatorio, that's it. That's I'm trying to. It had, it had a, a, an interesting end to it. Anyway, yeah, the letter O. Well, no, because I I think I had argued it should be called something else, and then uh, Todd's like, "Nope, it's called this." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> it sounds better." See, he's the producer. He gets to say whatever he wants, and you roll with it. <laughs> See, Matt knows how it works. That's exactly right. Scarlett Johansson will produce a big screen adaptation of Disney's The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror ride, itself inspired by Rod Serling's classic anthology series. Uh, No plot details are available yet. Uh, Toy Story 4 director Josh Cooley has been hired to write the script, but it's not yet confirmed if Johansson will also star in the project, which has been rumored to be in the works since 2012. First opened at Walt Disney World in 1994, Tower of Terror served as the basis for a 1997 made-for-TV movie starring Steve Gutenberg and Kirsten Dunst. So Scarlett Johansson will produce the next big Disney ride movie announcement. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun to show about, right? Right. I like Twilight Zone a lot. I'm fine if they made another Twilight Zone movie, although wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. 
However, well, Twilight Zone no helicopters. Twilight what? Zone. <laughs> I, I tried to move through it. I tried. Keep going. I'll shut up. Will you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all uh, we're all laying money on that. I will. <laughs> there we go. <clears throat> uh, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror has its own story of sorts, but it's not like it's a fleshed out concept that you could stretch to ninety minutes. What if Why they mix that? it in with the uh, SNL thing with the hundred hundred fours of terror with uh, David S. Pumpkins? I would watch it. I would watch ninety minutes of that. Frankly, I would definitely. I love that, that goddamn skit. It's so stupid. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> yes, lots. <laughs> DC Comics's Madam X is getting her own TV series. J.J. Abrams is developing the project for HBO Max with writer-director Angela Robinson, who was a writer for True Blood, uh, writing and executive producing the hour-long drama series. Known as Nimue, Madam X first appeared in DC Comics in 1978. She was designed by Michael William Kaluta and the storyline developed by David Micheleni and Val Myerick. And the character uses her gifts, such as levitating objects, teleportation, and banishing demons to help others. She cannot be killed due to a deal she made with death and is currently part of Justice League Dark Universe, where she has helped the Suicide Squad and also serves as Spectre's spiritual advisor. Uh, This isn't the first time the character has appeared on television. She previously popped up on Young Justice, where she is portrayed as a New Orleans con woman with a sleight of hand. Uh, She also has recurred on HBO Max's Swamp Thing, using her tarot reading abilities to guide and help characters. Abrams is said to be developing a Justice League Dark franchise for HBO Max, of which this would be a part. Among other projects that would tie into it are the Constantine reboot and apparently the Superman movie that Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing. Uh, Robinson wrote Webb for DC Comics, along with directing Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. No release date has been set yet for the series. Uh, how do you feel about a Madam X TV series? I'm, I'm down with it. Let's do it. I mean, I'm not as familiar with the character as some other DC characters, but sure. Be interesting is? to see True. see what they do with it. And I think because of that, Kirsten, it's it's one of those things that you can do whatever you want because there isn't a lot of expectation there. That is a very good argument. What yeah. kind of character cannot be killed? So what's the point then? Well, everybody around them can be killed. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Okay. Sure. Sometimes not being able to be killed doesn't solve a problem. Sure. Right. Just ask Superman. I mean, somewhere I'm sure Steve is screaming about, uh, <laughs> oh, why am I not on the show? I know so much about the character. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, oh, wow. that's yeah, definitely a DC character I'm just not as familiar with. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. They could pretty much do whatever they want with it. Let's make a toast, and here's hoping they get completely ignored dark horse comics announced a new gaming and digital division that will be called dark horse games with the mission quote to create unique experiences both through close light both through close licensing partnerships and the industry's best game makers and its own in-house first party titles inspired by dark horse comics's diverse portfolio of over 425 story driven characters and universes unquote Dark Horse Games is already in discussions with top gaming studios to create AAA-licensed titles using their library of IP. Which spec- gaming studios? 
Uh, that Top Gaming Studios. Top, Top Gaming Studios. <laughs> it's speculated that Umbrella Academy and Hellboy are part of these discussions. Meanwhile, first-party games will be focused on less established and older IPs. In addition to the division, in addition, the division will produce and release multimedia projects that include anime and webtoons to go along with first-party games. So, I'm trying to think what Dark Horse, old Dark Horse comics are out there. Concrete? Have they done anything with concrete? Make lots of buildings. Uh, was was the Max part of that, or were they, was Max part of Image? I think that was Image. Max was Image, okay. yeah. Because whenever I think of older Dark Horse stuff, I just think about the stuff they licensed. Alien, Predator, yeah, right, Terminator, right. Star Wars. Yeah, they should do Star Wars games. Oh, there wait. You go. So do I. Hopefully Kathleen Kennedy's not involved. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I need that or you'll get J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams will get in there to totally destroy Dark Horse. <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, I it's funny because I was is scrolling the, through it... my my news feed and there was an article title. It says Kathleen Kennedy's version oh, of Star no, Wars maybe on the way out due to popularity of Mandalorian. But then I had to look to who see what it was, and I think it was like giant freaking robot. And I'm like, I never. I actually said, don't show me articles from GFR because they are always that rumor mill, toxic fanboy type. Uh, yeah. clickbait taglines and I'm just like, why does this keep popping up in my newsfeed? I said specifically that I don't want it in there, but <laughs> Yeah, you smash that button. Uh yeah, bounding into comics and giant freaking robot. Those guys are some toxic So sludge. is the uh, co- cosmic book um Oh yeah. Cause, cause CBR is still relatively accurate yeah. in the reporting, yeah, but but Cosmic uh, tries to make their logo look enough like it that people will click on it by mistake. Uh, we have lost a few people over the last couple of weeks. Uh, this is the first time I've been able to get to them on the show. Of course, uh, Steve uh, no, really wanted to talk about this one, but we'll bring it up here. Uh, Ned Beatty. Yeah. yeah. He died a few weeks ago. He was 83. Beatty appeared in more than 150 films and scored a key early career role as corporate pitchman Arthur Jensen in Sidney Lumet's Network in 1976. But genre fans will remember his 1978 appearance in Richard Donner's Superman as his breakout bad guy role. Beatty played Otis, the villainous sidekick of Lex Luthor. He would go on to reprise the character in Superman 2. And Beatty's career was filled with gritty parts in dramatic films, but was I was going to say, when you say Ned Beatty, I don't, I don't immediately go to Superman. I go to Deliverance. Sure. Yeah, yeah the film uh, that scarred him for life. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but he also did uh, other appearances in genre projects. He appeared in Exorcist II, The Heretic. Right. And later starred with Linda Blair once again in the Exorcist parody, Repossessed. Yep. Uh, Beatty also starred alongside Lily Tomlin in The Incredible Shrinking Woman. But uh, Beatty's versatility extended to voice roles in animated films later in his career. In 2010, he voiced lots of Hug and Bear in Toy Story 3, the bad guy, mm. and starred again as the voice of the villain in Rango. Uh, of course, as Andy suggested, he was cast in many classics, Deliverance, Nashville, All the President's, All the President's Men, many more. Uh, he was nominated for an Academy Award and earned two Emmy nominations as well. You got to see Network. Yes, because he the the movie everyone thinks about um, 
ah, blanking on his name. You know, mad as hell, can't take it anymore. But there's a scene where Beatty just lays it down and is just like... Is it William Holden, Kirsten? No. Well, no. well, Holden was, was a star, but I'm talking about... Oh, uh, yeah. God, you're right. I got Peter it. Finch. Peter, I got it. Peter Finch? That's the guy screwing me yes. about his film. Yes, yes. yes. Howard, okay. Howard, the Howard Beale character was one. Yeah, yes. you're absolutely right. It was. So um, everyone thinks about Peter Finch in that, but there's a scene where Beatty really lays it down. I mean, it, it's funny because Finch's character is so big and so out there. And then there's a scene with uh, Beatty where Beatty just totally... It's amazing. You you go t to that scene from Otis in Superman, and you're just like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Because he's totally different. It's just very <laughs> commanding presence and everything. It just, it's an incredible moment. I mean, Network in itself is an amazing movie, but... And such a foreshadowing film, too. And yeah, it's very, it's, uh, it's very prescient. Also, Joanne Linville has died at the age of 93. Mm. Trekkies remember Linville as the commander of a Romulan ship in the Enterprise Incident episode. She also starred in The Passerby, a 1961 episode of The Twilight Zone. In addition to supporting part in the 1958 episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, much of Linville's small screen, small screen career involved frequent guest appearances on popular network series, including Columbo, Charlie's Angels, Hawaii Five-O, Chips, Dynasty, and L.A. Law through the early 80s. What a character in that, in that Star Trek appearance. Very iconic, just wonderful. And uh, it was Star Trek Continues, right, Jeff, that did the, the episode where her daughter played that character? I believe so, yes. Yeah, and, and every uh, I saw a picture and holy macaroni she really looked exactly like oh her. yeah it it, it it was uncanny it was... yeah she she did such a fantastic job enterprise in the enterprise incident because it really i feel like it really laid the the foundation for the romulans that we saw in next gen ds9 and and uh and voyager more so than we did with the brief appearance of mark leonard as the romulan commander Mm -hmm. in in uh, balance of terror so yeah and then you're absolutely right her daughter uncanny when she was portraying her on star trek continues so yeah if you haven't checked out any of the star trek continues episodes definitely do um they even have them on their website free for download uh, wow in high <laughs> definition and they even have iso files if you ever want to burn them onto a Blu-ray disc for your own personal use. They do not sell it, but they give you all of the uh, material, including like um, uh, menu screens and stuff. Okay. So you can literally make your own discs of it. In fact, they've even said, if you see it at a convention for sale, do not buy it. We would never charge for this. It's all available for free. Okay, so remind me what that is, because I've, I've apparently forgotten. Star Trek continues... Uh, Ticonderoga. Oh, okay. Now explain to everybody besides me. Yeah, now who's speaking Andy, Matthew? <laughs> so, so Star Trek Continues was, um, was a series produced in Atlanta. Uh, it's a fan-based fan episodes continuing. Um, and then you also had Star Trek Phase 2 at Slash New Voyages that was shot in uh, Ticonderoga, New York, which is where the Star Trek set tour is now. 
So they weren't necessarily competing fan-based Star Trek series. They did some crossover between the two casts. Two excellent uh, series that were basically trying to fill in what would have been uh, years five, uh, four, or years four and five of the five-year mission that we never got to see of Star Trek. In both yeah. cases, many times they brought back original series writers to wow. write the scripts for these episodes and actors. Yes, exactly, and, and Star actors. Trek actors in both. Yeah. Um, both of these spinoff. I, I do if you want to call them spinoff series, but they're the fan series. Right. Jeff, uh, is Alec Peters and Axanar uh, from either of those or its own its own thing? Uh, it's its own thing. I okay. think he originally tried to get them to help produce, but with the whole CBS lawsuit and everything, uh, I think they tried to distance themselves from right. from Peters. I know Peters is producing somewhere in Atlanta now. Uh, he actually built his sets and he shot a couple episodes of Axanar. So, and then now they're doing or I should say they're using those sets for other people that want to make their own Star Trek shorts. So I have my own personal feelings about Peters, which I will keep to myself. And it's not from rumor mill stuff or stuff that I've read. I'm talking like personal interaction. So I will just leave it at that. (laughs) I'm going to guess it's not good. Me too. You would probably (laughs) guess right. (laughs) And also we lost John Paragon. Uh, actor, director, and writer most familiar from his disembodied, teal-faced role as Jombie the Genie on Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yep. He was 66. He also voiced Terry on the show. Uh, Paragon is remembered by Seinfeld fans as Cedric, half of the couple of Bob and Cedric. Uh, Paragon was a member of the Los Angeles comedy troupe The Groundlings and contributed to the writing of early performances featuring the Pee-wee Herman character. Uh, Paragon also wrote the film Elvira, Mistress of the Dark from 1988 and wrote and produced various Elvira TV projects. And as an actor, Paragon made appearances in such films as Eating Raul, Echo Park, UHF, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, as well as the TV series Cheers and Sledgehammer. Oh, wow. He was in a lot of things. Check out his IMDb page sometimes. It's really long. I think what I'll remember most about Paragon, aside from Jombie, of course, is UHF, his role yes. as the uh, the son of the bad guy. Okay. And, and his absolutely ridiculous laugh, forced laugh <laughs> in that movie still haunts my ears every now and then. <laughs> Take so off good. that stupid thing. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, so we I honor was... them all. I was rapidly uh, looking him up in UHF once he said UHF. I'm like, oh, that guy. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was very funny in that. Yeah, super memorable. But, of course, a lot of that movie is super memorable. Yeah. Brian Fuller is writing and directing a new version of Stephen King's Christine for Sony Pictures and Blumhouse. This will be the former Hannibal and American Gods writer and showrunner's first feature film as director. Uh, Christine is a horror novel about a 1958 Plymouth Fury possessed by a malevolent supernatural force that can drive and repair itself. Uh, When Arnie, a nerdy high school kid, buys Christine, they develop a psychic codependent bond where Arnie becomes very possessive of his car and vice versa. John Carpenter directed a feature film adaptation in 1983, the same year the novel was published. 
Fuller has built a reputation for gonzo and trippy aesthetics, but according to Deadline, he's planning to keep the story set in the 80s for a throwback feel and keep the abstractions to a minimum, apparently. I actually have an interesting uh, Christine story that I, I just realized I've never shared with the group here. Oh, uh, I'm all ears. Uh, a friend of mine uh, that I used to work with, he is into that whole classic car restoration stuff that goes that is a big group here in vegas you know he has a couple of really nice well restored cars that he owns uh you know that they spend a lot of time and effort on but uh he at a car show one time uh ran into well it, it was after the show was over ran into a guy that had one of the screen used christine's uh, that he had found in the junkyard, like literally oh, after they were done what? filming, they just scrapped it. They tossed it away. So, it, and it was just the shell. So, his restoration process was taking that shell and then finding, uh, you know, the rest of the parts to to build that shell on top of. So, he had showed me a picture of himself sitting in one of the screen used Christines that this guy had restored. Uh, nice. It's, I, I wish I had the picture to share with the group. I would have to. Text him and, and see if I could get a picture of it to post on the Shock Monkeys lair. But uh, I just thought that was really fantastic because he's like, oh, you like horror films? And he's like, ooh, here, let me tell you this story. And I'm like, no way. And he goes, no, no, really, I have a picture. And he showed me on his phone. And I, I was like, holy shit, that's really awesome. It is surprising how many pieces of film Americana ended up in junkyards in the 80s. Oh, and seventies, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and so how many of these things things were rescued? Like the uh, the g- green goblin head from from Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, uh, was rescued from a junkyard. It's uh, one of the Jaws's, for goodness' sake, was over a junkyard as part of its sign. One of yes. the last remaining Jaws. Especially if it was a big studio production, they would keep like if it was a vehicle, they would keep those vehicles around for a few years. You know, they would appear in other things, sometimes in the background, sometimes just they would put another vehicle shell over the top of it. But when they were done with it, they would literally just scrap it. They had no further use for it. And uh, people would find these in these junkyards and, you know, try to try to salvage them. And even stuff that gets kept for a while doesn't get well taken care of by some. And they just fall apart over time. Disney was really bad with this, with uh, the Disney uh, MGM Studios way back when. They had mm-hmm. all these vehicles outside uh, in the elements for the tram to drive by, including uh, one of the Star Wars skimmers from Return of the Jedi yep. and uh, the ship from uh, Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. They all just fell apart over time. In fact, they took that Flight of the Navigator ship and repurposed it. And you can still see it if you know where to look. It's part of a restaurant now at yeah. uh, Disney World. And mm. it's part of the shell of another spaceship that they built around it. So if you know what you're looking for, you can see it. But, wow. But yeah, that's that it, they, it's the only thing they could do with it because it fell apart so badly. Did Andy well, watch any more of that prop show on Disney, the uh, Prop Masters? No. They've um, got, now they've got a giant warehouse where they're trying to save that shit. Yes. Well, in fact, they said that uh, this... this um, this little uh, it's about an hour clip that disney put up on uh on their youtube channel a while back uh they were doing a a walkthrough of the restoration of walt's office 
at the Disney Studios in Burbank. And one of the things they talked about was how little of the old Disney material was properly preserved because they didn't, you know, they didn't know they were going to be around 50, 60 years later. So things would get used. They would get reused. Uh, they would typically be put into storage because somebody had enough foresight to say, okay, this is something we probably want to save. But just like Todd said, they didn't do a really good job of preserving those, you know, props from the movies, those animation cells, etc. So there's been an ongoing process of trying to restore a lot of this stuff um, so that they can put these out in the parks or in a, you know, traveling museum shows, etc. And as far as that Return of the Jedi skimmer, nobody really knows what happened to that. <laughs> that's mm. that's still a mystery. All, all the people I've looked into that have investigated it, uh, it's a big old mystery. It was on yep. the Disney lot, and then, then all of a sudden it wasn't. What's on your Disney lot? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Green light. Red light. On the show with two idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Vampire film. Next week in Geek. Vampires, I tell you. Vampires. That skimmer skimmer is in someone's basement. Jeff Bezos' garage. (laughs) It's a pretty big skimmer. It would be a big basement. Yeah. Well, the people that could easily take it off the Disney lot and no one knows what happened, they got a basement like that. (laughs) You know, it's funny, Matt. Um... I was I, there's a, a a channel I watch on YouTube called Night Rider Historians. And they were t- uh, they they've talked about trying to preserve a lot of the old screen used Night Rider stuff. And they said that in the late 70s, early 80s, Universal, there was not a lot of access denial to the studios. People could literally walk on to the studio property and go anywhere. So and the only places where you really had security were at the various gates. But as far as like a giant fence or anything surrounding it that was hard to get into, they didn't really have that. You could you could walk up and and, and there were multiple entry points around the property. And, you know, it's I forget how many acres there in Studio City, but, uh, you know, people would go on and they would find, you know, cars parked outside uh, props being stored out in the open air and they would steal pieces of movie and television memorabilia because wow. nobody was stopping them. So that was very big in the, the late 70s, early 80s, uh, specifically Universal that they were talking about. But it wouldn't surprise me if that was the way at other studios as well. So what you're saying is I was born too late. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and I was born too honest because I was in the right age to do that shit. <laughs> You'd have made it on there, tripped over a prop, like. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, oh sorry. Their, Studio all of City their prop have... losses would have been from damage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hated to just spilled something over, uh, like a you know, like a prop that was irreplaceable. Yeah. That was due call, to be filmed we, the next day. <laughs> we we call that prop wash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> WB water tower just. <laughs> There's your prop wash. <laughs> Which, interestingly enough, the, the WB water tower has no water in it anymore. Oh. Yeah. There are maniacs in there now. Exactly. Uh, again, be mindful when people speak at the same time.
give deference. There are things last week I had to cut out because it was unintelligible. Ah, and that's just Andy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like it when the Knights lose because then I don't have to hear about them so much anymore. Right. Right. You're just anti-sports, aren't you? Anything sports. <laughs> sports, 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 sports. Well, I can't say I'm pro-sports, so. Because <laughs> pro-sports. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. I'll be recording all night. Kristen. Tom. Go ahead. What you Yes. No, what? You what? I'm yeah. the one that spoils everything. That's right. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Meg is having a time. She's enjoying it. I think Meg took down an entire bookshelf that time. Usually it's, Kit steals the show, but Meg is going to uh, make her presence known. I, I know but, you don't like this, Todd, but if I may, on the on the visual Skype, dear audience, uh, Matt has put up a, a little background picture so you don't see into his apartment or his house, I should say. And so <laughs> you just see Matt like go, holy shit, hit mute. And then he like disappears. disappears. <laughs> <laughs> and then he reappears. Holding a squirt gun, looking behind himself, <laughs> and you don't know what the hell's going on. He looks a little haunted. Yeah. <laughs> Paranormal activity for Geek Shock. <laughs> wow. Squirt the dog randomly. Wow. Why is that, what is, what's in that door the dog wants to get to? Well, that's the hallway. That's out. So yes. why can't the dog be out? Because, Andy, I'm a responsible parent. Uh-huh. Unlike you. Right. Oh. You're going to like helicopter parent this dog the entire his entire life? Uh, she's <laughs> only six months. Uh-huh. And I think Paulette's gonna... home. Because that's, you see, oh, you can't, you can't see it, but they got the head tilt. No. What? Something's uh-huh. coming up the stairs, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's funny, because probably Paulette's going to be like, oh, good. Let's keep her in here for an hour. I need yeah, some right. break. <laughs> Meet myself again while she barks. Hold on. <laughs> no, I like having Matt back in the show, but I like having him back in the show this way even better. <laughs> that might spoil the first movie a little bit. Yeah. What? What? What just happened? <laughs> I don't know what did this happen. And, and Andy's screen just went. Andy Surface Pro went amateur. <laughs> Hold it up on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so offended that you people take exception to my burps, but that is cool. Hey, I don't take exception to your you burps. Know. Come on. No, I'm talking about he's, Todd. You people, he's talking about me. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty gross, too. Todd, Todd, could, Todd could do some reverb and echo on my burps. <laughs> he, he could, but he's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it is I, a definite piece of American cinema, cinema history. It's cinnamon worth history. checking out. Yeah. Cinema history, yeah. Cinnamon history. Yep. Cinnamon history. Cinema. <laughs> I know what you're saying. God. No. Cinnamon history is working at the Spear and Rhino this week. <laughs> if Andy had said it, I could understand your, your, your confusion there, Matt, but really? No, Jeff, you, you said cinnamon history. It's you okay. did. That's fine. <laughs> sort of, it, 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 it's your rare cunt berries moment. It is. Mm. It's beautiful. They're beautiful when they happen. Oh, <laughs> Blackula and cunt berries. I wanted that cereal. <laughs> wow, he's sweating up a storm over there. Look at oh, him. that makes two of us. That makes two of us sweating right <laughs> yeah. now. Todd's got, I got a lot of editing to do. Here. How much of this do I have to cut out? <laughs>
There's zany to the max. 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 Although I might just keep you know, that and, and dub that over and over again, just at the end, just saying it to the max 30 times in a row. 